Okay, kids, it's time for another episode of the Fueled by Weird podcast, the only podcast that does know the secrets of Silent Earth 3. I'm Chris Daly, and today I have the pleasure of sitting down to chat with writer for Evil Ink Comics and frontman of Coheed and Cambria, Claudio Sanchez. Claudio, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good. I'm, uh, you know, I got some time off, so I'm just down here in Florida visiting uh, my uh, wife's family, and um, yeah. I'm hanging. Perfect. Well, I appreciate you taking some time to talk with us this morning. Oh, you got it. No problem. Cool. All right. Well, I like to start things off with a little bit of an icebreaker question to kind of get to know you a little bit better. Um, so my icebreaker question for you today is, are you a Team Marvel or Team DC guy? And do you have a favorite comic book character? Oh, wow. This is so tough because I'm, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> I find strengths in both. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, so it's it's tough, but uh, I mean, I definitely am a big bat- Batman fan. Some of my favorite stories are in the Batman mythos, um, so I might have to lean just a hair towards DC, uh, just because I think, you know, again, just like stories like The Long Halloween, The Dark Knight Returns, yeah. um, Year One, these are The Killing Joke. That sort of world that, uh, you know, and, and The Watchmen being one of my favorite stories of all time, uh, I guess I'd have to lean towards that. But I am, you know, I'm not going to the to the comic shop and purchasing exclusive DC titles. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I gotcha. Yeah, I definitely think I'm a team DC guy as well, even though, like you said, I kind of, you know, I play for both teams, really, because there's strengths on both sides um, and Green Lantern. Absolutely. Yeah, and Green Lantern has been one of my favorites since I was a kid. So, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, and I and I also like for you know like growing up as a kid through the '80s and watching you know the Marvel cartoons of that time and Stan Lee sort of being the narrator. It's like Stan Lee's voice. I mean, just in itself is like you know I put it up there with like Howard Stern. You know. Oh, yeah. um, as sure. like a kid, like sitting in the car, listening to Howard Stern with my dad on 92.3. It's like yeah. also hearing Stan Lee's voice, like watching those cartoons. I mean, you know, somewhere there's a, an amalgam of voices that are my father. But, you know, they're not, okay. you know, it's like Stan Lee, Howard Stern, Patrick Ewing. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, you're good. Yeah, definitely. I get what you're saying. Those iconic childhood or those iconic voices from our childhood that, you know, you can kind of just, they kind of just make you feel like, give you the warm and fuzzies inside. I gotcha. Absolutely. And not to like, kind of just like go off on a tangent. I know there's only so much time, but I'm sure. free. So we could talk. It's no big deal. But like, sure. I just saw Indiana Jones for the second time last night, Dial of Destiny, mm-hmm. which yeah. by the way, I love. Um, oh, good. But it's funny it's funny because it's like, I think about it and, um, you know, I saw Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I just re- rewatched that before I saw uh, A Dial of Destiny, which I didn't mind it. You know, some CGI yeah. things are questionable, but for the most sure. part, I loved it. But at that, at that time, you know, I didn't think, oh, we were going to ha- ever have another Indiana Jones story. I happened to see right. that when the band was on tour. But now I'm 45 years old and this movie comes out. And, uh, and it's like, I almost feel like it's not going to happen again for me. You know, that sort of like nostalgic, like thing, like Indiana Jones, you know, we got Star Wars Mm -hmm. with like, you know, the revisit of like Han Solo and, 
you know, being an 80s kid, you got that. And then Ghostbusters yep. did its thing. And I feel like this is it. Dial of Destiny, the party's over. Like, I just feel like, wow, <laughs> I, am, I feel my age. Like, I feel like this is a special moment. Like, it's not going to have this nostalgic feeling again, um, you know, that. with anything else. I mean, sure, maybe if He-Man becomes a movie, but not really, because He-Man was a cartoon and you can always, it, it, it's, it's not going to be the same. I don't know. I'm, I'm like, like I said, I went and saw it a second time yesterday. We'll probably go see it a third time. Just because <laughs> it's like this feeling I'm just going to want to experience that feeling as much as I can until I can. Oh, yeah, for I sure. feel like this is it. You know, this is it. Like I was watching, I've read something somewhere. Sorry, I know I'm like commenting no, this, this interview. But, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> but I read this interview somewhere where, um, you know, they were saying that the movie underperformed for 30 years and below. And it's like, of course it did. Like, what? <laughs> Who's going to have the connection? Like, yep. Well, who thought that that was going to be a thing? Like, yep. I, you know, I don't know. So I'm sorry. I just, I just wanted to say, you know, if you haven't seen it, which it sounds like you have, go see it. Cause I, I think it's awesome. And, uh, especially if, you know, if you've had, if you're an, if you're an eighties kid. So. Yep. And I get it. Being an eighties, nineties kid myself, I totally understand, you know, especially like the flash movie too. You know, everyone's like, who's this guy is Batman. I don't know this guy is Batman, but you know, people like us were like, <laughs> That's our Batman. You know, that he's the Batman other than Adam West, you know? Right. Absolutely. I mean, I, to be honest, I haven't seen the, I haven't seen the flash yet, which I guess, you know what? I would probably have, would have had that connection then. Yeah. Um, but of course it's like Indy for some reason, Indiana Jones to me was like, and again, I, I think just because of Han Solo once, you know, you just wanted to see Harrison Ford, as much as possible because you know you just had these like emotional moments with that character especially han solo it's like yeah you know getting cast in carbonite it was like man i think i cried when that moment happened yep. uh <laughs> you know, yep. So, yep. so uh so yeah when when you know he donned the fedora like i bought you know i i was sold well, i'll take that character sure <laughs> like, yep. So, yep. Uh, um yeah <laughs> sorry no you're good no apologies all right, well, uh, well, we'll go ahead and keep things going. Um, so with Fueled by Weird, the concept of Fueled by Weird is basically, you know, the things that you're interested in, the things that make you who you are, that's what fuels your weird. So, you know, when you're not writing, when you're not performing, what kind of things do you like to do? Like, what what are the things that feel your weird? Uh, for me, it's I really love writing music. You know, that's okay. really kind of what spawns all of my creativity, you know, especially when sure. it comes to writing, um, writing the stories, you know, for me, it's, it's, uh, there's just something about sound. I've always been, you know, intrigued by it, you know, whether I was, you know, the kid listening to music with my folks, it's, it always sparked some sort of part of my imagination that like looking outside the window, I just, all of a sudden I'm envisioning like Spider-Man swinging off you know, buildings in New York city. And, um, you know, so, so for me, I think that's, that's the thing for fueling my weird is just like, you know, buying, <laughs> buying like gadgetry that will help create sound that hasn't been heard before. So that's, that's definitely a big one. Awesome. That's a good one. Um, so speaking of writing, you know, what, what was it that, you know, helped inspire you to get into writing in the first place? You know, for me, I think it was just my insecurity. 
Okay. You know, I, I when I fell into <clears throat> when I fell into the role of being the front man of a band, which was purely accidental. I mean, this is before clearly Coheed and Cambria and all of that. Um, I didn't understand the responsibility of being that figurehead, being the person that the words are coming out of. You know, it's like it's you know because that's the language. The language is really the connection, right? Music is great rhythms, all that stuff. But not everybody cares about the intricacies of like an instrument, like a guitar or, but, but every, but the thing that sort of is the bridge that gets you into all that stuff are the lyrics. At least that's my feeling. Sure. And, uh, and that was really tough for me, you know, cause I was super shy. I never wanted to be the focus of the attention. Um, so that's where, the 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 sort of fantasy became involved you know because i was writing songs about myself i just i just didn't want people to know that and that's where you know know, that's where the whole mythology of of coheed and cambria was born you know it's really just a an extension of my life but in a way that i'm not responsible you know like these are all real songs about me but I just sort of colored them in a way that made it uh, feel like somebody, it was somebody else that was doing it. If that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> You're just telling stories about yourself without telling stories about yourself. Exactly. Like, um, you know, all, all of it is, is very much based on some sort of reality. Like, you know, COVID and Cambria are loosely based on my parents. The Amory Wars, the a- Amory is taken from the street that we grew up on. Uh, I play a role as a character in the story. Um, you know, when I look at it, I think of like some of those, you know, they, a lot of those records were written during my like kind of adolescence into like, you know, adulthood and, you know, sort of the trials that come with that and the responsibilities that come with that. And, you know, and, and, and I do, I see very much this autobiography, um, that most don't because of the, uh, the guys of, you know, the comics. That makes sense. I really like that. That's, that's, you know, they say, write What, you know, and it sounds like you're definitely, you know, got a well of ideas to pull from and it's, it's definitely worked. It, it's very intriguing writing. And I, I really enjoy the comics a lot. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. You know, like, yeah. I think about it like those early, early books and, you know, they were really my first stab at writing anything. Yeah. You know, so they're, they're not without their flaws for sure. sure. Um, sure. But I think that also echoes just that, that sentiment, that statement that I'm trying to come, that's trying to come across is like, I didn't know anything. I was young. Yeah. I was confused of, you know, and I think that that sort of um, those early books kind of, kind of reflect that. Um, I think just those imperfections really kind of reflect, uh, those like the insecurity of that time being new at something, you know, um, and in a way kind of makes them a bit, you know, perfect, (laughs) even, you know, so I don't know. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. Like I, and I know, I mean, so I'm just going to say, I'm a big fan, um, big fan of the music, big fan of the comics. And actually at first I didn't know that the the comics that there were even comics that connected to the music. So once once I found out 
I went back and read them and then I went and listened to the music again. And I love how you really connected it all together. It really like it kind of made a deeper connection. So that was that was something I thought was really cool. It's almost like, you know, you're writing soundtracks for the books or, you know, is it maybe you're writing the books for the for the albums? How does that kind of work into your writing process? Pretty much. I mean, I think early, early on, it was very fragmented. So like, sure. for example, the title of the second stage turbine blade was actually taken from a part that my father worked on um, at this sort of like heat treatment plant uh, in New York. So the second stage turbine blade was a part that he would work on. Um, oh, nice. And so then like, so then I would take, I took that and I was like, okay, well, Coheed is that, that's, that's what Coheed's going to be. You know, he's going to be sort of this factory working, like, uh, you know, blue collar, uh, you know, that, so, the, so I would like, just like things like that would kind of cross over into the story. Um, little pieces of lyrics here and there. Um, so, it, you know, they're really supposed to sort of work in parallel, but they can like kind of live off on their own because, you know, a lot of the music is coming from a very like, real place and and isn't really uh, uh so littered with uh terminology from the story you know um so things like that uh you know i remember when i wrote uh uh what, what was it um i'm sort of spacing because i i don't want to i just i'm just thinking of like songs that i wrote for like in keeping secrets but also like i'm not like entirely Sure, uh, sure. I don't want. I don't want to like be inaccurate with like what happened at the time. And the reason we're here is to talk about my brother's blood machine, a fantastic series, by the way. Um, thank you so much, um, for you know letting me take a look at it. Um, it's it's a great book. Um, it's a very very intense book. Um, you know, for those who don't know about it, can you maybe tell us a little bit about you know, you know how you came up with the idea, what the book series is about. Yeah, so the idea is um, kind of in the same world as Coheed, you know, uh, a few, several years back, I put out a record called uh, My Brother's Blood Machine, and it had these like themes in the music that I just wanted to sort of bring to life as I do with, uh, with the Coheed records um, and comics. But this one is really a, a horror story. Yeah. Um, you know, about a girl that lives in sort of this abusive home. You know, she sort of runs away uh, and sort of uncovers this secret that's been living dormant um, beneath the town that she's grown up in. Uh, and in a way, our villain sort of at, or, or our villains actually kind of stumble into, well, for a moment, stumble into the heroic uh sort of role um but yeah like it just you know um that's pretty much it you know i just wanted to create a story that where like the misunderstood you know really has a moment to be heroic but also you know like trying to find ways to sort of change the hand that they've been dealt you know like these characters of long arm and butchie which are our villains uh, you know they don't grow up in the greatest sort of circumstance and are kind of taught on their own through like experience, like living under the town, like, you know, ways that they could sort of 
you know, better themselves. I just wanted to create something that, that, you know, that, that made like sort of the misunderstood feel like, you know, I wanted the readers to feel compassion for everyone yeah. in the story with the exception of course, of Arthur McLeod. But, um, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but, uh, but, you know, like I just, I, you know, I look at Long Arm and Butchie and I just, I feel like a connection to them. You know, yeah. I mean, they're just completely misunderstood and they're just a product of the circumstances. And, yeah. Um, you know, I feel like if, if brought up the right way, they would have, it would have been all right, you know. Um, For sure. But they were just sort of abandoned um, yeah. and left to their own devices to figure it out. And, uh Yeah. 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 It was, it was really good. Um, just the fact that, you know, like you said, they were kind of left their own devices. It was able to see, you know, a kid basically raise or kids basically raising themselves, you know, just how circumstances led them to, you know, you can either go, you know, one way or another. So it was, it was interesting how that ended up turning out. So, you know, with this being a, a pretty strictly horror book, you know, other your, your other books like The Armory Wars being kind of sci-fi, was it kind of a, a drastic shift to go from one genre to another? Or was it was it pretty easy to kind of just, you know, shift from one way to the other? Um, I think so. I mean, I've, you know, I've always been a fan of both genres, you know, uh, horror. You know, I've always been a fan of like, of of horror, but in in the respect where it's like the characters are almost unbelievable, like Freddy yeah. Krueger or or well maybe Leatherface, you know, there, maybe there is a, you know, uh, but you know like things like that, like these like sort of grandiose hor- horrific creatures, you know, Pinhead or um, so so for me it was like I I wanted to do I I knew I wanted to always tell a story like that, um, and I got to a little bit with Key of Z. But of course, that was me sort of exercising my, you know, um, you know, my love of of spaghetti westerns and zombie uh, sort of apocalypse um, movies like George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Clearly, like so that I got to kind of do that, um, but I wanted to do like a slasher, um, okay. you know, and and this kind of gave me the opportunity to. Um, so, so yeah. Yeah, for sure. And definitely anyone out there who's a fan of horror, you should check this out because it's a it's an incredible read. Um, speaking of that, you know, the ending, you kind of left it on a really big cliffhanger. Um, what's what's next after this? Is there are we going to hear more from Longarm and Butchie? You know, what else what else do you have that you can talk about that's that's coming out next? Um, nothing at the moment uh, in terms of blood machines though yes i i tend to do that you know whether it's with translucid or um or kia z uh you know i always kind of keep things open because i always have ideas to continue things um you know but sometimes i also love things that are left with big question marks and you know so so for me it's it's there's nothing right now that's like that's stirring for blood machine, but we are working on the uh, finale to the Amory wars. So right now that's, that's actually happening. Yeah. The no world for tomorrow story is actually being illustrated right now. We're three issues in Uh, It's going to be a 12 issue. Yeah. It'll be a 12 issue maxi. All the scripts are written. Um, You know, my wife and I, we, we 
every once in a while we'll get into an issue just to 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 refresh and edit before it it actually starts getting illustrated but um but yeah that's that's where we're at right now that'll be the next uh evil ink venture is uh yeah the amory wars uh no world for tomorrow that's fantastic i'm so excited and if if you need help promoting it you know definitely let us know we'd love to have you back oh absolutely well thanks of course i think you'll be excited i'm really excited for it because it really kind of ties everything up and um if you if you had a chance to read the novel the prequel a uh, year of the black rainbow a lot of that like it's just it's just a lot of um the stories kind of come back in this one and i, I really think it kind of closes it up uh nicely that's actually the only thing i haven't read yet but that's on my list to to read next is is that i've read all the oh, amory cool. wars well, i yeah. just haven't i haven't read the prequel yet but i definitely looking forward to doing so oh right on well they, yeah that one definitely has a uh a hand in in this you know it's sort of awesome. like bridges all of them together uh year awesome. of the black rainbow to no world so right on all right well uh i don't want to keep you any longer so let's uh we can wrap things up um for final thoughts do you have any advice that you'd like to give or that you could offer to people who are wanting to be creative or maybe you're scared to start the creative process what's what's a bit of advice that you could share you know i I always, one of the guys in the band used to say it a lot, um, you know, and it was, it pertained to, uh, to music, you know, like if you, you know, if you're trying to do something and you feel passionate about it and you love it, then someone else will, you know, um, you know, and I, and I, I, I always thought that that was, uh, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, like I'm not totally quoting him properly, but it always resonated with me because I felt like that that was a very true statement for everything that I do with Coheed and the books. It's, you know, nothing is ever perfect, you know, but those imperfections make things special and, um, and make them unique. And, you know, of course I feel like, you know, I, I love what I do and, and, you know, and I feel like it echoes out and others do too. So, uh, so I don't know. Yeah, just do it, basically. That works. You know, like you said, you know, if if you have an idea that you like, you know, there's chances are someone else is going to like it. And it might be one of those cases where it's like, I never knew I needed this until I saw it. And now I love this thing. Right, right. Very cool. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming today. Do you want to take a minute to, to plug whatever you might want to plug? Where can we find you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, just co. Everything is is at coheedandcambria.com, You know, whether it's you know the records, uh, Evil Ink is is uh, Evil Ink Comics are um, that's that's basically all the books that live you know under uh, the Coheed banner or outside of it. They're sort of related to me, but yeah, Blood Machine is really the thing that that's the most recent release. So. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I guess I'm, I guess I'm pitching all things. That works. <laughs> that works. Pitch whatever you want to pitch. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> right. All right. Um, well, uh, um, and to find us, you know, our website is geek-network.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at geeksaz, and on Facebook at Geek Network. Um, so remember, kids, to embrace the things that fuel your weird, and always geek responsibly. Claudio, thanks so much for for coming in today. 
Oh, cool. thank you for having me.